today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I mean, Jeremiah is struggling. He's questioning. He's pleading. He's talking to the Lord. He's talking to himself. Oh, my soul. And now here's the Lord's answer. And that alone is a good lesson and takeaway for us. When we talk to the Lord, guess what? The Lord will talk back to us. Prayer, as it's been aptly said, is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. We pray, we, we ask the Lord, we seek the Lord, the Lord will respond. Have you ever felt like your prayers are falling on deaf ears? In today's message, Pastor J.D. talks about how when we reach out to God with our prayers and our needs, He's there to listen and respond. Sometimes the answers we receive may not be what we expect or what we want, but we can trust that God has a plan for us. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. A wind, verse 12, too strong for these will come for me. Now I will also speak judgment against them. In other words, the the winds that are coming, they're not pleasant like trade winds. You know, we love the trade winds. No, these are hurricane force winds. That's what's coming, the winds of judgment. Behold, verse 13, he shall come up like clouds and his chariots like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. That's kind of fast. Woe to us, for we are plundered. Oh, Jerusalem, verse 14, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. He's still pleading with them. How long, and I want you to pay particular notice of this, how long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? Interesting choice. Now we would say in our day, I got something lodged in my throat. It's lodged in there. I've got to get it out of there. Well, they had evil thoughts lodged within them. Several months ago I stepped on a shard of glass and it got lodged in my foot. Now at first I thought that was probably just a very small piece of glass. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God will, you know, the way we're made, the, you know, there's things in my body that will go to it and begin to dissolve it, but it didn't. (laughs) This thing was really lodged really deep in my foot and it really hurt. And as you know, I have no pain tolerance. I get a hangnail, I want Jesus to come back. That's how bad it is. I'm just super hypersensitive to pain. When I go to the dentist, which I pray I never have to go to the dentist again, I pray the rapture will come before I ever have to go to the dentist again. But he has to always give me extra Novocaine. He said, I have no patience like you. I was like, thanks a lot, doctor. I really appreciate that. And you're special. <laughs> what is up with you? I'm just, I'm a sensitive guy. That, that was my story and I'm sticking with it. I just have, I mean, I feel everything. I think there's maybe something to that. I don't know. 
in the physical sense. My wife is the exact opposite. Praise God for that, because she's the one that gives birth to the children. <laughs> Three of our four children, no epidural, natural. I was there. I, I hurt so bad instead of her, for her. I'm like, oh, this is bad. I'll take the epidural. <laughs> but man, she has such a high tolerance for pain. Anyway, this thing is so painful. And I had to go in, and they had to cut into my foot and pull it out. And they showed me, and I took a picture of it. I didn't want to take it. I said, throw it away. Get thee behind me, Satan, you shard of glass. But I took a picture of it. This, this thing was huge, and it got lodged in my foot. You see where I'm going with this? They had evil lodged in their thoughts, deep in their thoughts. Verse 15, for a voice declares from Dan and proclaims affliction from Mount Ephraim. I don't want to hear a sermon on affliction. I want to hear a sermon on prosperity and goodness and love and forgiveness and all of those things are biblical, but this is a message from the prophet Jeremiah about affliction. Proclaim affliction. Preach affliction. Make mention, verse 16, to the nations. Yes, proclaim against Jerusalem that watchers, some of your translations render it invaders, come from a far country and raise their voice against the cities of Judah. Like keepers of a field, they are against her all around because she has been rebellious against me, says the Lord. So this prophecy, by the way, of this invasion coming from the north with all the imagery that we just read, the affliction from Mount Ephraim coming from the far country, this is Babylon. And they would do exactly that. It would be, some believe, about, interesting number by the way, the number of judgment, 40 years. Oh, that's not in my lifetime. Everybody thought it was going to be in their lifetime. Oh, we, got, we got plenty time, plenty time. Oh really? 40 years away. Yet notice Jeremiah is prophesying with such specificity. And what's interesting is that it is exactly as Jeremiah prophesied. Now verse 18, I want you to notice, and I'll emphasize this, your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. You see very clearly what the lesson is here, right? You brought this upon yourself. You have no one to blame but yourself. Oh, but we will always blame everyone but ourselves. They're to blame. He's to blame. She's to blame. No, 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 no. You're to blame. You 
procured these things for yourself. What things? Your wickedness. You brought this on yourself. Be sure that your sin will find you out. Again, God takes no delight or pleasure in judging sin. And He's always long-suffering and giving us time to repent. My goodness, He gave the Amorites 400 years to repent before the judgment came. That's called long-suffering. And He does that with us. And then when, not if, the heavy hand of the Lord comes down, it needs to be very clear that it's because of your ways, your doings, your wickedness, your heart. Now verse 19, we turn a corner here, and this is Jeremiah. Oh my soul, my soul, I am pained in my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. Have you ever hurt so deeply that, I mean, it was this physical pain in your, in your heart, not a cardiovascular event, but I mean, it, it, your, your heart is so hurt, so pained. And, and to say this, this is an interesting way that the Holy Spirit would inspire Jeremiah to say it, but my heart makes a noise in me. I tell you, I've had times in my life, those deep, deep, anguishing, painful times where, I mean, you, you didn't know that you could hurt that bad. You didn't know that it could be so deep. And it comes from just deep within your soul, this anguish of the soul. He says, I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, oh my soul, <laughs> the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Listen, he's doing what David did in the Psalms, by the way. Stay with me on this. He's having a talk with self. That's different than self-talk. Self-talk is very bad, very, very bad. That's where yourself is talking to you, man, you're nothing, you're a loser, you're a dirty, rotten, stinking sinner, which you are, <laughs> but I have the Savior, so there. But that's self-talk different than talking to self. Psalm 42 and 43, some believe it's actually one song, but repeatedly throughout these two precious Psalms, <laughs> that have meant so much to many a saint over the generations, who found such solace there. David would have a talk with himself and almost like, sit down, I, we need to talk. Oh my soul, why be in such despair? For you will again have reason to praise the Lord. Be of good cheer, cheer up, oh my soul. I know you're downcast. I, he's talking to himself. I know they have clinical terms for that. Don't do it in the car at a stoplight if you're the only one in it. People look over and go, oh, one of those. No, I, you're talking to the Lord. You're talking to yourself. You're talking to both. Oh, my soul. Oh, Lord. Lord's like, you need to, you need to have a talk with yourself. Sit down, boy. We need to talk. <laughs> we need to have a good talk. 
Oh, my soul, my soul. Verse 20, destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is plundered. Suddenly my tents are plundered, and my curtains in a moment. How long will I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? This is the trumpet of war. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday the delineation in Scripture between two trumpets. There's the trumpet of God and the trumpet of angels. The trumpet of God is for the church, the trumpet of angels for Israel. Please make that distinction. There's the first trumpet and the last trumpet. And there's the trump. The trumpet is to gather God's people, but for different reasons. It's to gather God's people for battle, for war. That's the trumpet. He's hearing. And there's also the trumpet that gathers the people for a wedding. <laughs> That's the one I'm going to. That's the trumpet I'm listening for, is to gather His people to Himself. Now this is the Lord's answer, verse 22, for my people are foolish. Picture, I don't think there's anything wrong with this, picture this, this dialogue between the Lord and Jeremiah. I mean, Jeremiah is struggling, he's questioning, he's pleading, he's talking to the Lord, he's talking to himself, oh my soul. And now here's the Lord's answer, and that alone is a good lesson and takeaway for us. When we talk to the Lord, guess what? The Lord will talk back to us. Prayer, as it's been aptly said, is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. We pray, we, we ask the Lord, we seek the Lord, the Lord will respond. And this is his response, Jeremiah, my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children, and they have no understanding. And then again, I want you to pay particular attention to this. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Let that sink in. This is what I mean by a chilling and stunning prophetic parallel to our day. I mean so advanced when it comes to evil, so primitive when it comes to good, so much so as we studied in Isaiah, it's a curse to those who call good evil and evil good. They're so good at evil, they call evil God. They're so good at evil, they call good evil. Did I, I hope that Please tell me you got that. I think you get the point, right? They've got it backward. Oh, would to God that we would never be numbered amongst those of whom it could be said, man, when it comes to evil, those guys are pros. They're very advanced in their wisdom and knowledge of evil, their practice of evil. Man, they really know what they're doing when it comes to evil. But when it comes to good, they're silly children. They're ignorant. They're uneducated. They have no knowledge. Oh, they're so knowledgeable when it comes to evil. But when it comes to good, no. Just real quick, I, I don't know how anyone could come to any other conclusion concerning our day today, other than this world has become wise to do evil, but to do good 
this world has no knowledge, no knowledge of good. And I think it is evidenced in what we're seeing in the world today. Verse 23, I beheld the earth, and indeed it was without form. Is that and void. Does that sound like Genesis before the creation? That's because <laughs> it's like it was in Genesis before the creation. Now what's, what's God saying here through the prophet Jeremiah? And the heavens, they had no light. In other words, I'm the one that keeps everything together. And you take me out of the equation, and that's what you got. It goes, it reverts back to a world without form, and void, and the heavens, there's no light, because I'm the, I'm the one who created the heavens and the earth. I'm the one that spoke into existence, let there be light, and there was. I beheld, verse 24, the mountains, and indeed they trembled, and all the hills moved back and forth. I beheld, and indeed there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens had fled. Now, I don't mind that if it's just the minor birds, but not the, not the other. I'm sorry, I just, I couldn't resist. But, you know, we take it for granted, right? When we first moved here, my wife, of course, born and raised here, and I moved her back here. And I remember early on, we would listen to the pigeons and the doves cuckooing, and of course the minor birds were in the, in the back kind of marring it. That's why I don't like them. I don't think there's going to be minor birds in heaven. I know, just give me a break. Don't email me on that. And I, I remember telling my wife distinctly, i never forget this, it was like it was yesterday. I said, honey, I hope I never stop hearing them. They're always going to be doing that. But you know how you just get so accustomed to it and used to it? I remember uh, just the Ko'olau mountain range, just the majesty of those Ko'olau mountains. And I just remember the, and just the beauty of these beautiful islands that we are so privileged to live on. And I just remember telling her, I, I, I hope we never get to the place where we take it for granted. Oh, you, you can write the next chapter in that, in that story, right? It wasn't long before I'm not hearing them anymore. And I, I get in my car and I'm in a hurry, I'm busy, I'm stressed, I'm under pressure. I forgot, oh, wow, look at those. God, if this is what fallen earth looks like? What is heaven going to be like? That was gone. And here, the birds are gone. Did you notice? Hmm. I beheld, verse 26, and indeed the fruitful land was a wilderness, and all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by His fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate, yet I will not make a full end. Oh, that's the mercy of God. I'm not going to see this through to the end, because I still have a plan for you, my people. The Savior's going to come from you, my people. I'm not going to have this reach its full end and utterly destroy you. I'll restore you. Verse 28, for this shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken. 
I have purposed and will not relent, nor will I turn back from it. It's been said, rightfully so, when God says it, that settles it. The whole city, verse 29, shall flee from the noise of the horsemen and bowmen. They shall go into thickets and climb up on the rocks. Every city shall be forsaken, and not a man shall dwell in it. Exactly what happened in 40 years. This is exactly what will happen. The birds are gone. The land is desolate, once fruitful. No one's there. And this is a very sad description of what would actually ensue after Babylon's invasion. Verse 30, and when you are plundered, what will you do? Though you clothe yourself with crimson, though you adorn yourself with ornaments of gold, though you enlarge your eyes with paint, in vain you will make yourself fair. Your lovers will despise you. They will seek your life. couple thoughts here real quick before we bring it to an end. This is again a pretty graphic description, twofold in a way. First, uh, what are you going to do? Oh, now you're going to clothe yourself with crimson? Too late. See, there's a sorrow of being caught, and there's a godly sorrow that leads to a genuine repentance. And this is what he's referring to. And this notion of your lovers will despise you. It's kind of like, you know, you're going to put on all this makeup. You're going to put on all the bling, the ornaments of gold. You're going to adorn yourself. You're going to clothe yourself. What for? What are you going to do? They don't want you. Look at you. And then verse 31, lastly, for I have heard a voice as of a woman in labor, the anguish as of her who brings forth her first child, the voice of the daughter of Zion bewailing herself. She spreads her hands, saying, Woe is me now, for my soul is weary because of murders. Oh, I so wish I didn't have to end the chapter in the Bible study in this way, but I think we would all do well to take to this warning lest we, like them, live the remainder of our days in regret, because that's exactly what would happen. Getting back to this uh, godly sorrow, the godly sorrow that leads to genuine repentance leaves with it no regret. And conversely, the worldly sorrow always has with it regret. In fact, that's the litmus test by which you're going to know. See, the godly sorrow that leads to a genuine repentance, and there's no regret, because there's no condemnation. There's genuine repentance. I think of, uh, I want to say it's Proverbs 28, 13, the one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but the one who confesses and forsakes will find mercy. When we come to the Lord and we confess and forsake, repent, turn away from that, get it away out of his sight, and we turn back to him. Oh, he can't resist but to show us mercy. That's just who God is and how good God is. And that's the, the plea, the warning. Repent, repent, repent with a godly sorrow. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.